Welcome, everybody, to Spirit Addicts by Sideline Sports Network. We are going to be talking about the Clemson-Florida State postgame. We're going to ask a couple questions about what the hell happened to the fans in the third quarter. I know I'm going to ask those questions. I don't know if Taylor and James is. James fell off, but he'll be back in just a minute. He's trying to get some things situated. He's putting a new mic in. Um, Chip's going to come on later, later on during the show, uh, give kind of his piece. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's supporting the show. We appreciate everybody that is listening to the podcast because the the download amount since we started with WSBN has definitely went up. Um, the viewership has definitely went up. So we really appreciate everybody that's supporting uh, the Spiratic show. And remember, everybody, in the top right-hand corner of the screen, uh, the show is brought to you by Game Day Vodka. Uh, we did our first um tailgate with them this weekend at the clemson florida state game uh they gave me some pretty decent props uh didn't have a shortage of liquor that was for sure uh they also gave us some of the spike drinks and uh i haven't been able to speak to uh them since about this portion of it but everybody that i gave the spike drinks to um said that they were 10 times better than the one that ends with claw so that was their words, not mine. And I will say this, things that are free taste better. So we'll see if it's, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm not a uh, chaser type person to drink. I really don't drink that much at all. So, but anyways, we do appreciate Game Day Vodka for being the official sponsor of Spirit Addicts. Uh, continue to go and support them as well. Also, go check out uh, the Made Equal Clothing line. Um, they're on Twitter. You can find them at Made Equal. Um, they're doing some really good things with Trayshawn Ward right now. Uh, they're doing some really good things for Micanopia as well. Uh, they are really getting the message out on what it is about equality with, you know, every race. So really appreciate what they do. I'm happy to to help be a partner with them uh, through Micanopia. Uh, but I guess we'll dive right into the the knit and the grit of Florida State versus Clemson. We come into the game, we receive the ball first, we score a touchdown. Things look good. Um, we score two touchdowns. Things look better. Uh, Clemson also matches both of those scores with their scores, so it's fourteen to fourteen, and. It pretty much all went downhill after a fumble by Jordan Travis on a quarterback keeper. Um, from there, it just kind of just started falling apart in the uh, mid-second quarter. Uh, don't really – it's not anything big. It's not like we're making huge mistakes. It's not like there's just these, you know, per, just, you know, ignorant plays that are being called or that we're not – executing you know in a, in a wild way it's just the littlest details that we're missing we're missing block assignments uh we're missing just just little things and they all add up uh, i will say this we played a much cleaner game against clemson than we did nc state last week we had 10 penalties last week against nc state for 100 yards we had three penalties if i'm not mistaken in this game three penalties you can't ask for much more than that but we had one turnover um, I'm pretty sure we beat Clemson in most aspects of the game as far as rushing, um, passing yardage. Um, I don't know about time of possession because I didn't look. 
Um, that's where we lost. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we we did fight back. We we came back from a, a quite a huge deficit. Um, the team never gave up. Uh, the, there's definitely one thing you can say about uh, a coach Norvell team. Uh, they don't give up and they fight until the very end, until the last second of the clock gets uh, ticked off. So there's many things that we can improve on, that's for sure. Um, I, I would like us not to to do too much of um, – how do I say this the right way? I don't want to beat the team up too much, but uh, execution is a problem. We're not executing on plays. Um, there are plays – you know, a lot of people look at a play – and they go, why do we do this play call? Why do we do this play call? Um, I can give you that one on the fake punt. Don't know why we did that. But I can tell you that when we only need two yards on third and two, I don't understand why we're going for a 20-yard slant or why we're going for the deep ball when there's a Toa Philly in the flat that can get you five, six, maybe 13 or 14 if he makes a guy miss. I'm not quite sure why we keep going for the long ball in those situations. Um, I will say again, uh, I think this was Derek McClendon's best game so far. Um, he put more pressure on the quarterback than any game previous to this one. He had one and a half sacks, I believe. Um, he had seven or eight tackles, uh, three, three and a half for loss, four assists, I believe. So he did really well. Uh, Jared Verse was not a factor in this game at defensive end. Um and he, he, he can't be every game. He's not going to be. But uh, Derek McClendon definitely stepped up in this game and did a good job. Uh, Kalen DeLoach was Kalen DeLoach in this game. Uh, did a, He was sideline to sideline. Uh, did pretty good. Uh, Igu Angule did not um, run on us as much as I thought he was going to before the game started. Uh, so there were some definite positives. But obviously we, as a defense – um, I will fault them for allowing 17 points. Uh, the rest of them, I mean, they were handed the ball at the 30, at R30, at, at R35, at R22. So it's really hard for a defense to uh, stop short field, uh, short field advantages like that, and, and they just got off the field themselves. Um, so it is what it is. Uh, James has been living a twilight zone uh, between his high school team, his college team, and his NFL team. He says it's like watching the same game three times in the weekend. Uh, it's kind of weird because we're all – I don't know if the Jaguars are, but I do know that his high school team and his uh, – well, the Florida State Seminoles are on a bye week. So it's really like watching the same game Friday and Saturday. Uh Taylor, I'll let you touch base on some of the few things, and then we'll let James touch, and then we'll go back and forth. So what did you see in the game? What do you want to see us improve on? Uh, let me first go ahead and start out by saying I probably needed a couple of shots that game to vodka this weekend. Um, that was pretty rough in certain scenarios there. Florida State come out really hot in the first quarter, first drive of the game, got the touchdown you needed, was able to force Clemson to a punt, second drive of the game, Third drive of the game, you know, basically what happened was Clemson punted it back to us. Micah Pittman had that huge return, and you did absolutely nothing with it. 
and you were able to punt it back to them. And instead of going up 14 to nothing, you ended up punting it back to them, and they eventually went ahead and tied on the flea flicker play where Kevin Knowles also did not get after DJ Uyunglele. And unfortunately, uh, it was Akeem Dent on their wide receiver in Antonio Williams. Uh, he was the kid Florida State was going after. Just very disappointing um, with certain, with some of the play calls, but Florida State was able to move the ball offensively, especially rushing. Um, this was a Clemson defense that come into the game where they only had 64 yards um, allowed rushing per game, second in the FBS, and Florida State was able to go out there and have 206 rushing yards. Now, of course, they did kind of go away from the running game in the second half because they were down by 20 points at that point. They really weren't able to generate much, and you saw them trying to get back in into the running game in the third quarter with Lawrence to Philly. He lost five yards. They were down at second, second and 15 at that point. And really, Clemson was basically dialing their ears back at that point, and you, you had no chance. And what Clemson does so well, especially with their coaching staff, is the middle eight. They do a lot of things at the end of the second quarter going into the start of the third quarter. That is their bread and butter at this point. They call it the middle eight. And this is a situation where Clemson was trying to get momentum coming out of that. And a lot of people blame it on the Jordan Travis uh, fumble. And that that's, of course, you know, a moment that Florida State's got to get over. But as I talked about, with the Micah Pittman returning it all the way to the 49-yard line, you don't convert there. Later on in the drive, you have the uh, Johnny Wilson fourth and two play that you don't convert on at the 31. There's just plays out there that you need to be able to make sure that you get. And before you know it, it's going to be, you know, it was 24 to 14 at a time where you thought you could be able to take the lead or potentially tie at halftime, and it's a whole different ballgame at that point. But then you allow Clemson to get over. They were able to get Will Shipley because Ryan Fitzgerald actually missed the placement on the uh, kickoff. He was able to get a long kickoff return, five missed tackles on the kickoff return. It was just a little bit lack of day school in the special teams aspect. You thought, you know, with them pr uh, practicing special teams as much as they do, you thought you would see a little bit more fight and effort in the special teams regard. But, you know – Everybody talked about the fake field goal, but you have to get them somehow. This defense wasn't going to stop Clemson in that middle eight, and you tried to get the ball back. I would have liked to seen them just go for a, just a regular offensive play in that point uh, because they were kind of already in punt safe formation. But like I said, I mean, I get the, trying to generate some kind of momentum. And Chris talked about it before. This team fights, but the problem is the game's already over at that point. You can fight all you want to. And this is the identity of this team. You know, they will fight to the very end. But the problem is they don't have the athletes to do that. You saw Clemson was exploiting Will Shipley to the outside and the perimeter with some of those pitches. You saw some of the outside game that they had, and they just don't have the athletes to go sideline to sideline. Bethune, Deloach, they're all great guys, and they're good players. But the problem is, is there's nobody that consistently go in and out on, on those kind of plays. And you saw that they were all in the flats, you know, they had a lot of plays. It wasn't even many explosive plays. I just think there was a lot there. And you can fault Mike Norvell for a lot of different things in this game. This isn't really one of those because I think Clemson is a superior team to us. They are a little bit closer in terms of just skill set wise. But, you know, th this doesn't all fall on Mike Norvell. But like you said, I mean, you have to recruit better players. And, you know, it's his fault for our Marius Mims. You know, Travis Hunter, you know, there's there's guys out there that you had and that could make a difference on this team, but you weren't able to capture it. So while I'm not blaming this loss on Mike Norvell, there are some faults for Mike Norvell in being where the position that he is. And he has to live with what his team is now. 
and his team lost by six points to a pretty decent, uh, pretty above average Clemson team. I mean, this is uh, as good as you're going to get all season. You have a manageable um, rest of the schedule coming up. You have a five game stretch where if you go three and two, five or four and one, somewhere around that range, you still have your goals all in front of you. So this isn't a, a be all die all right here in this situation, but this is definitely a disappointing game just considering how the middle part of this game went and how it just escalated to a point where you could not return from this game. Yeah, you you hit a lot of the you hit a lot of points. And I'm I'm gonna definitely agree. Um I could have used some of those shots myself. James, I'm going to add um, Chip while you're talking, but go ahead and um, give us some of your thoughts, and uh, we'll keep moving forward. Can't hear him. So, Chip, um you was at the game. We all seen each other. Everybody seen each other. I was I was glad seeing all of y'all. Um, it was great to. Obviously, we had Snoop Menace. Uh, we had multiple people come to the tailgate that, and I'm gonna miss names, so I apologize. But uh, Rob Deloach was there. Kalen's uh, pops. Um, there was there was a lot of people that came through. Uh, but Chip, what was uh, some of your some of your thoughts on the game? Um, what, what do you think we can improve on? Um, my thoughts on the game were, like, I'm not upset with uh, the loss to Clemson because, you know, Clemson's a good team. I, in the beginning of the year, thought that they possibly could be a three- to four-loss team. I was wrong on that. Um, the missed defensive assignments – really hurt us you know the very first play you know after halftime where they took after the opening kickoff they hit the like a wheel route down this down the left sideline for a touchdown that really hurt because that to me it halted our any momentum we possibly could have built right then and there um this team fights though like a Taylor said they don't give up. Um, we got. We also, as fans, need to remember this is only Marvell's third recruiting class. Let them get at least one or two more in there before we can actually, you know, give him a thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, James Coleman plays I, plays I didn't like. Uh, the back to back fade in the the right the right corner of the end zone. Um, you've got to let Johnny Wilson out-athlete that DB. Throw a jump ball like, you know, it used to be taught in Coach Bowden's, Coach Bowden's days. Their, their fade route was always a jump ball. They, he let his athlete athlete the other teams. And um, I don't feel like Jay Trav gave Johnny Wilson that kind of a chance. He kept It's like he kept aiming towards the back pylon when he should have just thrown it up and, you know, given him a chance. Uh, we lost Chip. He was having some look like internet problems. Uh, I do agree with him. We got to do the. We got to do the. Uh, we got to do better. And, and I was very, um, I was very concerned. And 
Chip talked about it too. I mean, the back-to-back fade routes to Johnny Wilson, I don't mind the fade routes, but like he said, I mean, it's almost like you're playing target practice. And Greg Carr was a great fade receiver in the goal line situations. And you had a situation where he out-athlete a lot of those defenders that he had. It wasn't a, you're going to point it to the back pylon, you're just going to finesse it all the way down the field. No, this is a situation where you have to be able to showcase your size and strength and, I mean, it didn't work the first time. You went straight back to it, and it was even worse placement the second time. Um, yeah. I just don't know. I, I think a lot of people are kind of faltering on that and saying, well, we should have ran the ball. But, I mean, if, if you lost three to four yards there on a blown-up play, you're at, what, third and goal at the six now? Third and goal at the seven? I mean, that – just defeats the purpose. You need to keep the ball in the air at that point. Um, glad we didn't go to a jump ball with Micah Pittman. Glad I didn't have to see that PTSD again. Um, maybe a slant route. I, I don't know. There's just a lot of different factors that you could have done there. Um, moving J. Trav out of the pocket, kind of like when he found Ja'Kai Douglas later in the game, there, there's some moving pockets there that you could have, especially with an aggressive Clemson defense that was coming home you saw him get after Robert Scott a little bit. You saw Jazz getting beat up a little bit here and there. Offensive line played pretty well for the most part, if if you really consider all things aside. But just overall, I thought it was it, it needed to be a little bit better execution, and, and that falls on the coaches and the players because I think Johnny Wilson had to leverage himself a little bit more in that situation. But um, just comes down to who makes the play, and Clemson made more plays. Yeah, Clemson – Again, they they did get back, you know, quite a few starters that they were without. Yeah. Um, they got uh, quite a few. I think they got two or three of their defensive linemen back. They got a safety back, and they got two DBs back uh, to come play in this game. Um, right. and, and it was – we, you know, we thought there would be a certain snap count that they weren't going to be back 100%. And on three of them, that was true. On the other three, uh, they played – about 75% of the game, so they were 100% back. Um, and I will say that their defensive line, like, you know, everybody keeps bashing that our offensive line hasn't been doing great, but our offensive line held pretty well against that defensive line, in my opinion. I think J-Trap had time. Like, we had forever on one play, and we ended up throwing and it just – we threw a terrible pass. It was a terrible decision to throw in a double coverage. Uh, luckily, yeah. the ball wasn't intercepted. It was batted down. But still. Um, and I don't know if anybody noticed this as well. I, I know they had a couple of curl routes uh, with Cam McDonald. Um, with, when you have third and nine, third and eight, um, you have to get to the line of scrimmage and get to the sticks um, to have a chance. You don't you don't run a five-yard curl route and – you know, you have three yards to go at that point. I, I just thought he has to be better situationally in that in that moment, and that that comes with coaching. That also comes with just being more experienced, which he is now at this point. Um, I just thought there were better. I, I like the game plan and being able to kind of have that short passing game, um, but you also don't want to have some instances where I think in the first quarter, uh, late in the first quarter, he actually had one that almost got picked off right there. Um, so you just kind of have to be mindful with that. But I did like the play calling in, in terms of the short passing game. Just wish he would pass a little bit from where he was at. Right. 
But um, yeah, I'm just I was very like I said before with the running game. I thought the running game was very successful. I thought in terms of of how it was. I mean, Clemson's defense was like firing on all cylinders to stop the run. I thought Jordan Travis actually was able to utilize his legs and. Sometimes it, it meant that he just had to get out of harm's way at some points. And that's how you're going to be with this defensive line. And really, when you look at the linebackers, I thought the linebackers for Clemson played pretty well for the most part. But on the other time Enjoy. as well, I thought that you could have exploited those cornerbacks a little bit more in some explosive plays. Yep. You, know, you didn't really have the luxury to do that. Uh, Michael Michael Pittman only had one reception for six yards. You weren't really able to get him going, uh, I believe, Travis had a throw to the left um, in the fourth quarter where he missed him. He overshot him by about two or three yards. Um, he had that Johnny Wilson overthrow on the on the go route. I thought was very pivotal in that game or uh, in in this game. So it, it was just very confusing to see how in the first quarter we were so confident. You, you thought as soon as they punted it away, we could go up ten to nothing, fourteen to nothing. I shouldn't even say 10 because I know fans are getting riled up saying we, yeah, whatever. Um, it's just a lot of different things going on. And I think Florida State lost their opportunities to be successful, but it's not all loss. I mean, you go into this bye week, you play a struggling Georgia Tech team. And I, I think you can really base some of these things off of the Clemson game to the Georgia Tech game. Oh. Test okay, we can. It works. All right, cool. All right, yeah. Um, basically, I think everybody's kind of hit everything. The 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 big the nail on the head, but um, I think a lot of this, a lot of it's it's it. The problem is it's not one person, like that you can just really circle in to put mm -hmm. all these issues on. First and foremost, you're playing three really really good teams, three well coached teams with coaches yeah. who have been there for a while. Um, Dave Doran, I remember when Florida was looking at um, Mullen to be the coach. That was a guy who people were talking about come snatch him from NC State at that time. Um, you've got Wake Forest. Clawson is a really, really good coach. You've got so many guys that are good coaches, and they've, been, they've benefited from that extra COVID year. So they're the oldest teams, that, that some of the oldest teams we play, on top of Clemson just being the best. But what's frustrating is knowing that you should have won and you see it evaporate, and it's not one concise thing. Everybody wants to fire Fuller. Everybody wants to fire Norvell. Everybody wants to do these things. But when you go back and you look at the box score, and I think this is what I was telling you, Chris, off air, I'm like, the box score shows a completely different game. And what it really comes down to is it's a five-minute of game um, time span. And that's what's absolutely frustrating for guys who really love this game. It is Jordan Travis fumbling the ball. It is defense not doing a very good job of um, of transitional plays. It's a lot that goes into this. And as a team, if you can take that five minutes back, you're probably in a better chance to win this game. Or you're making um, Clemson have to do stuff. And the issue comes in is that you expect – this to be different because all you've heard is that oh it's different it feels different this but then you see these things and it's very characteristic of the culture that florida state has had the past five six years that's not an indictment on mike that's just an indictment on what you see and and the fact that fans are frustrated 
is showing you that it's changing because we should be indifferent. This time last year, we were on a was it a five six game skip five game skip, and everybody was just like, "Oh well, we just suck. We're not going to do." It. Now it's people have optimism, they have hope, they feel like they should be able to go in, and you feel like you should win. Now you can completely change the tide by going four and one, by going three and two, depending on how the games are. I've always told people, is it an entertaining game? Now, I will say, up until when they started coming back, this was not entertaining. This was not an entertaining ball game. And that's part of the reason why some fans left. And, you know, it's not anything on the players. And people can, you know, they have various reasons for why they leave early or they stay. But um, just things that I've noticed. I don't know what's going on with Jordan Travis or who's talked to him. But I need him to get some new advisors. Snoop Menace went and Peter Ward went both to him before the dang game started and said, son, run the damn football. Pull out, son. Use your legs. That's your weapon. DJ, whatever his name is, uses his legs as an effective weapon. You have to account for it. You can be a good passer. We can, we've seen it, we're seeing it with Jaden Daniels. But if you eliminate your threat to be able to run, you literally – limit this offense when the running game is popping it's when they just got bit or just got burnt on a big play by j trap and that's kind of what j trap has to go back to doing using your legs to be able to keep a defense honest um something that i think florida state i hope they'll look in the future and maybe the coaches listen maybe they don't i don't know but i do know we got a guy a defensive savant if you will who is honored who's going to be down in orlando he didn't do anything in the offseason he got a coach in February, January, February. But T-Buck was bringing up this idea, this concept of what they did when he was at, um, I believe he was at Ole Miss. It is what stopped, what stopped a lot of this stuff. So they went to a, uh, only on goal line, they basically take the linebackers, and the linebackers, if they're reading pass, immediately run to the flats. Safeties come down. They're running cover two, but they're just running in a different formation, in a different format. So what does that do? It completely takes away the wheel route that Shipley kept killing us on because now you've got your guys in a better position. And if the quarterback wants to throw the slant thinking that's open, our two strongest players are our safe, arguably our safeties. Now they're in a situation where not only can they go and bang, they might be able to go create a big play just because you're making a quarterback think. So I'm yep. saying these things is that we've got coaches that gotta gotta grow up. And the easiest, fastest way to grow up is by getting more information, utilizing what we have. Um, and again, that's easier said than done. Obviously, you can't go implement that right now. But I think we just gotta get more IQ. And and I think um somebody mentioned situational awareness. Situational awareness is on one, stop going for it on fourth and on fourth and two, make them drive. 99 yards. I, 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 Mike, I love you. I like the wild card. It, it's cool when it works. It's just not working enough for us in some of these games. It's actually a testament to how hard these guys play that we're not getting whooped by more. Going one for four on fourth down is, is asinine, like when you have a really good punter. But I will say this. When I'm coaching and we're in the short yardage situation, I always tell my running backs, understand the situation. Get us four more downs. If you can hit the home run, great. Getting us four more downs is more important than hitting the home run. So when you got a bat, a ball batted down that's going to Johnny Wilson, I believe it was a um, 
yeah, get it's too deep to be considered a slant. I, I don't know what it was. Bottom line is he threw the ball to Johnny Wilson, got batted down. Lawrence Thornfield is wide open, no uncontested. Probably get the same amount of yards as you want that you were trying to get with Johnny Wilson by just dumping it off to that. Or again, don't know what you're saying, Jay Trap. Love you to death. I'm always gonna be Team Jay Trap, but I'm always gonna be honest with you. Drop back, nobody's open. Get me two yards. I know you can get me two yards if that's the situation. Our team, and this is where the fans got – if there's only one player that I believe we probably should treat with some kid gloves a little bit more, would be Jay Trav because our team only goes as far as he goes. And when you look at these last three games, and this is me just being honest and not you know trying to start anything, but it's really been on him. Like not in a bad – like over bad way, it's not all his fault. But better quarterback play, quarterback play of what we got in the 4-0 stretch elevates us over these teams. Now, he did play good enough to beat Wake Forest in the second half. First half, nowhere to be seen. And these lows, that's going to get you killed. That's where we got to kind of get over that. They got to coach through that. But, again, I'm saying all this to say, if I remember correctly, zero wasn't on that field, was he? On defense, Fabio wasn't on that field. Um we got a ton of guys that's just – we're a walking infirmary. I, I don't know what we need. I, whatever Alabama steroids that they're taking, we need to go and bring that over over yonder uh, and try to help us out a little bit. But, again, I predicted 8-4, and four, and I knew we were going to lose three games somewhere. I don't like it. I will never accept it. I will be critical to a point, but I judge totality. Where are we going to be, first and foremost, in December? Are we planning live shows at a bowl game that's not in Baton Rouge or Shreveport, Louisiana? Like, are we going somewhere nice that we all would want to spend on a vacation? First, are we going to a bowl game? Are we going to a nice bowl game? And when we lost, did it look like all was lost? Did it look like we were just completely outclassed? And as much as I want to cry and complain, you know, we can go back and we can fix these things. It's when you can't fix stuff. That's when I worry, and that's what that's what terrifies me. And, James, I know you talked about it before, like with, with the records and everything about you expecting eight and four. And I know that a lot of fans are really um, just out there right now because they have an, uh, a realistic while also heightened expectation because we went 4-0 to start the season. You saw that optimism. You saw how we fought back against LSU. But that LSU moment where we shouldn't have been that close in that game reared its ugly head in the last three losses. You know, we found ways to also win games but also lose games at that point. We had pivotal moments where we weren't able to stop ourselves. And the biggest thing now is, is coming out of this, fans are like, okay, we started 4-0. Now we've lost three straight. Where are we going now? Are, is is the ship coming off off the sails and everything? Or is it just going to be kind of a situation where you're going to have to bounce back? And I think Mike Norvell and its staff is going to have to look in the mirror. You get a much-needed bye week because you you got a guy like Fabian Lovett coming back. you got a Jarrett Jackson. Hopefully, is going to be coming back as well. That's going to get depth to that defensive line that you saw Will Shipley running up the middle several times and was getting mm-hmm. solid gains left and right, like four or five yards every so often. And you're just trying to find ways to get momentum and also to get some of those injured players back. Now, you have to play with what you got. So you can't just keep pointing at injured players and saying, well, this is that and this is that. Mike Nervell's got to play with what he has. And what he has right now is a 4-3 football team. 
can he be able to get over the hump? And I think that's going to be the question a lot of fans ask. And now we're just trying to say, can we get to the seven and five? Can we get to the eight and four? God forbid you get to nine and three and you win five in a row. We'll, we'll definitely see. Well, that's the key, though, Taylor. The key is yeah. what you just said. We're four. We're a four and three ball club. You yeah. are what your record indicates. So, so mm-hmm. everybody, yeah. you're right. It looks better. You're right. We shouldn't have lost three games. Those three games. You're right. Like, but what I'm seeing too much is, and, and I know we don't take shots a bit. I, uh, no, I won't. Anyway, I've seen one guy post like. You're crazy if you think this, or it's always these polarizing statements. Like, you can be mad, but you can also say, Hey, it's better than what it was last year. Multiple things could be true at the same time. And and Mm -hmm. you have to, for things that you love, you have to be critical at times. And you can't just, like, you can't just say it's all sunshines and rainbows. You don't get better from that. You, do, you It lacks reality, and you can still support. I've always said this. I'm not. I'm going to be on that sideline, whether some people like it or not. Also, screaming that they give the ball to the fullback on short yardage. <laughs> when they don't, I'm going to be upset. But I'm still going to go. I'm still a booster. I'm still a lot of the different things. They're still going to get everything from me in a support situation. But if I don't like, I don't agree with everything my mama does. And as Chris probably has seen, that's one of my favorite people on this planet. I love my mama to death. It doesn't mean I hate my mom because I don't agree with her that today is Monday and she thinks it's still Sunday. I'm right. She's wrong. She's still, I still love her. That's kind of how we are with Florida State. So it doesn't mean we're being mad. It just means like, hey, should have won. If X, Y, Z would have done better. Doesn't mean I want to coach. Trust me, have I've been on the side, I have no desire to coach these guys. Have only desire to be like a bigger big brother. But we're fine. I'll Keep pressing. love it. I'll be a little bit more crude uh than what James was. We we our offense lives or dies by Jordan Travis. Period. It, depending on what Jordan Travis can or cannot do or does or does not do is going to be the success or non-success of this team. I want Jay Trav and the offense to go back to playing backyard football. I want Jay Trav to take off more than he has been in the previous six games. I want Jay Trav to use his legs again. Um, I want Jay Trav to quit overthinking the situation. That's when he starts overthinking, he tries to force the ball by throwing it in the places it does not belong. Um, I love that he's become more of a – a complete pocket passer and a more of a complete quarterback. There's no doubt that Jay Trav's uh, quarterback abilities have are, are way better than they were last year or previous to this. He has done a good job. He has put balls in windows that I did not know the kid could do. But you know when they, they – there's a saying that don't always work on what you're bad at, but work even harder at what you're good at. So – Maybe let's work a little bit harder on taking the ball down the field with Jay Trav's legs because he's very good and a very, very shifty runner. So, Jay Trav, look, I can tell you all this much. Um, I don't want to say that coaches listen to perhaps what we say needs to happen or anything like that because I don't think that they do. But I do know that there are players that get on here and listen um, the reason I know this is because Taylor himself has had uh, 
a couple of players that because he makes a remark in, in the matter and it's taken out of context, he gets unfollowed. I've done the same thing. I've made a comment and I get unfollowed and then I get a long message on. I thought you were my my guy. I thought you were my brother. And here's the thing. Not our guys. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm not saying Florida State athletes. I'm talking about this generation. And they kicked a particular gator off of the sideline. A form or a previous legend, still a legend, but a previous great at the University of Florida said, These guys are soft. Everybody on this sideline soft. They can't handle criticism. They they can't handle you critiquing what they're not doing well at. And they kicked him off of the sideline. Well, the man did not get irate. He did not jump nobody. He did not yell at anybody. He merely stated that players were acting soft. And because you removed him, you defended athletes being able to get their way when they don't like what they hear. We have got to get back to where you can critique someone because I don't want to know what the coaches get out of this. I don't want to know how the, the reactions they get when they say, you're not doing this well. You have to work on this. Hey, get your head out of your ass. Hey, do this, do that. Act like you want to be here. Act like you've been on a football field before. Stuff to that nature. So I don't want to know what the reactions are. That's why I'm not a coach. But we, we've we got to get back to y'all. Football is supposed to be a gladiator sport. This is the closest thing to gladiator that we get now. And if we're going to continue to, to pat them on the back of the helmet or – you know, let them rest on your shoulder when uh, they didn't like what they heard. I mean, James has talked about it multiple times when he had read something and his grandma said, in the short phrase, his grandma said, they didn't bring you here to read. They brought you here to hit people. So quit reading and hit people. Um, so I will say you- this, though. Florida State is in a rebuild mode, quite frankly. that That's just how it is. Um you can't build something overnight. And if you want to ask everybody, uh, why don't those same FSU Twitter users actually go back to last season where they were talking about Michigan State? Michigan State from that to 11 and 2. Now look at what they're doing this season. They're at yep. 3 and 4. They lost to a Nebraska team this past weekend with an interim head coach at their own place. Like, this is a Michigan State team. That was supposed to be talented. They were a top 10 team going into this year. And what are you looking at with Mel Tucker right now? I mean, you're you're back in that state of a program where, well, you're not Ohio State, you're not Michigan. I mean, you, you may not even be Nebraska pretty soon. Um, it, it's just very odd going on just the whole process with everything. And fans think it's just an easy reset button. But the fact of the matter is that 2020 Florida State team was absolutely horrible. That 2021 team was still horrible, but it wasn't as as bad. And this 22 team, while they're not perfect, they are four and three. They've got pivotal wins. It's not perfect. They're they're a seven eight win football team. Can they get there? Who knows? But Chip, it's just great. Huh. Chip, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, everybody knows that it's hurting us. That that Treshawn Ward being out with his injury is hurting. Florida State as far as the run game goes. But according to our PFF grade as far as rushing goes in this game, uh, it looks like that our our running backs 
did a pretty decent job. How did you feel Lawrence Philly came out and played in this game, um, also with Trey Benson? Well, uh, LT gives us that back the, – the back style back you see in the NFL now. He can beat you. He can beat you in uh, catching catching the ball in the backfield, and he can beat you running the ball. Um, this is the first game in what a few weeks that Benson's ran the ball like we know he can. He his running style reminds me of uh, Marion Barber. Just you know, gonna have the career five to seven years where he just runs like a bat out of hell. Uh, you can definitely tell we do miss Treshawn's patient running ability. Uh, that kid, uh, Treshawn, he's just he's just a, he's just a special type athlete. Um, it was nice seeing Jakai back, and uh, I'm glad he was able to get in the end zone. That's yeah, he's got he's got a special special ability that I would I love to see Norvell tap into a little bit more. But as I mean, overall, our running game. It was it was good, um, and uh, I'd like to see them build on that. You know, when they play Georgia Tech, they just got to beat the. Uh, somebody got to pay. It's very simple. Get everybody back in. Get great. Georgia Tech was it was it saying um, kill an ant with a sledgehammer. Like you got. Well, I guess we got the little mm-hmm. sledgehammers in general. Hit kill a hornet with a sledgehammer. You gotta literally, <laughs> you've got to be a bully. Like, just there should be no reason that this game is um is, is close. And again, anything can happen. That's why we play the game. But I mean, I'm talking about four quarters, start to finish, feeling like Boston College. Really get out there, really get after it, and put these guys in a blender. And that gets the vibes getting those stat games. Everybody's smiling, everybody's feeling good about themselves. Now you put everybody back on notice because you'll go from that and you'll go into another rivalry game, and you gotta make sure that they have something to fear. Um, because again, just going back to the just everybody talking. So I heard people saying, like, Alex Zach is in the office, like, you don't only give up two sacks to one of the best. Defensive units in the ACC. You don't have 206 yards rushing when your offensive line is just poor. He had time. It's just questionable reads right now. I think it's questionable reads from trying to do too much. And and I think Chip, like Trey Trey Benson, is a better running back when Jordan Travis does the zone read effectively. Because yep. he's not as patient as Treshawn Ward. Treshawn Ward can run this offense until a field is getting better. They can run this as pure backs. But I'll tell you this. That's a big mofo. I don't want to hit um, Trey Benson after so many times, especially after I got to be disciplined and watch this quarterback that's super explosive. And what you actually saw was a lot of business decisions on this big on this long run. Because he got the top speed. And it's a bunch of guys that were just like, you know what? I got to look like I'm giving effort on film so I don't get cussed out. But it only works when J-Trav pulls out. J-Trav, I'm telling you, bro, you it's imperative, son. It is imperative that you do not become um, the ghost of DeAndre Francois. You have to play this game the way that it's supposed to be played. And, um, and def- just 
And one thing I did see, I saw Akeem did when he got, but I, I saw the passion when he got beat for the, um, I, I believe it was on the wheel route. Somebody, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was him or if he tried to make up for somebody else's mistake. Um, you know, it's just, you, we, we got to keep it. The pack was cool. We don't slam helmets. We keep composure, though. We don't get into jaw matches with our teammates, um, with some of the guys getting back. But that's iron sharpening iron. But as long as they stay together, um, again, yeah, this is my PSA. As long as they stay together, it doesn't really matter what any of us say. Because if they're on the same page and they're fighting with each other, they're the ones who got to see each other every day. Absolutely. And that's why I would tell guys, like, you know, I tell them, like, when I saw D-Mac, I see him all the time, I, I dab him up and say, hey, we all have jobs to do. Feel free. Anybody who's in, anybody use this, and and nobody can tell you that this is fake. Coaches, their job is to coach. Players' job is to play. Together, they do a good job. They win games, they lose. But those two together do what they do. Media, it's our job to describe what the coaches coached and what the players play. Now, the fan. The beautiful thing about being a fan is you get to consume all of this. You get to pick and choose what you consume. So, like, everybody has a job to do. So, you don't like – but the only people who can control the narrative are the coaches and really it's the players. Every offensive player is designed to score. Every defensive player is designed to stop the offense from scoring. You don't like what people are saying about you? Change the narrative. Make a tackle. Go make a big play. Don't drop the ball. But I think it's just still, you know, I, I think it gets still growing pains, though. It sucks, though. Well, Taylor, I'm going to ask you this. Um, I was I was somewhat frustrated with this situation. Um, but I do understand why people started leaving in this game. Um, you know, mid, mid-third quarter, well, beginning of third quarter, we were down. Um, things were not like James said earlier in the show. Uh, this was not a – a game that you wanted to sit here and watch. Uh, it looked like things were about to get really, really out of hand, even more so than they already were. So some people, they did take off. It is true that the majority of the people that left were in the student section. That is true. But there were a decent amount of fans, regular fans, that, that went ahead and left. Um, I personally believe if you're a true fan and there's no emergencies, um, that you stick out with your team until the last last tick ticks off the clock. So did, did you feel like there was any frustration around you about how many fans were leaving? If, if it was a 20-point game with three minutes left, two minutes left, okay, albeit. That was 11 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that Florida State, which they almost did, uh, score that many points, be able to get back into the ball game, and then be able to win the game. I, I can't I can't promise you that. But I will say that Florida State, after a bad series right there, they were putting it away. They really weren't able to move the ball. I believe on that same drive uh, right before the fourth quarter started, they actually had a, an illegal formation play. Uh, yeah. We had three of them in the game. So uh, it was very frustrating. Uh, fans were kind of looking at a situation like, oh, gosh, you know, we've let all of this come out. The middle eight's already happened. Clemson's already got their run started. And, you know, here here we go. You know, Dabo was going for it, I believe, on fourth down at that point uh, before they actually got the penalty to uh, back them up and they had to punt the ball back. Um, 
it looked like Clemson was about to run away with everything. And I, I get the fans are frustrated. I get the fact that that middle five, six-minute portion of the game was so pivotal. But as Debo talked about in this press conference, it, it was a very bad look to have that. And and you saw the culture that Mike Novell instills, instills in his players, and you, you talk about how they want to fight through it all. But when your fans give up on you, what are you supposed to do in that situation? I get the students leave. That's that's fine. That's another that's another process. You're, you're going to have college kids to leave early regardless. But the general public, I thought, was a little bit out there. Chip, what were your thoughts on the fans leaving early? Um, like Taylor said, you know, college kids, you know, they that's just a different breed. Um, I did hear some fans in my section, you know, telling you know you could hear them hey you might as well turn in your fan card now and uh you know as a former former player like james like that's no that's nothing anybody on that field likes to see uh and norvell and them like this is a totally different team than what we had under taggart and even you know jimbo's last year where you would have you would have physically seen seen the team quit um, this team keeps fighting, and uh, people just need to relax and calm down. So I'm going to ask this question. Um, Taylor, this, uh, this question is, can you guys explain why Mike is our best coach? All I read is how Mike is not the coach we need. Fans need to realize that. The FSU community can't afford to fire and hire a new coach. No coach can come here and wave a magic wand and things just turn around automatically. Can we please explain why Mike Norvell is the best coach for the job? It's year-by-year improvement, consistency, buy-in. It's a lot of different things. And when you're starting to put in uh, buy-ins and everything or buyouts and everything – and you're talking about how Florida State can't afford to do this. Oh, I assure you, if a booster wants him fired, he will be out of here. They will they will choke up the change if they can, and they will fire him immediately. Um, the progress, the just everything that has went into Florida State football so far, even though the results aren't there and the quick reset button isn't there, it's still tangible progress. Now, when that progress tang- tangles off, and let's just say this season we end up with a five and seven record. All will all bets are off at that point. You you really don't know where it's going to go. But as of right now, I think he's going to that positive trajectory. Not going to say that Norvell hasn't had his faults, which I've highlighted those earlier in the video. But it's just overall, I think fans are kind of overvaluing that situation. Here's what I'm going to say: the reason I think that Norvell is the right guy for the job. He started off in one hell of a situation. Um, you know, new president of the school gets hired, new athletic director gets hired in the in the process, shows up with not a real athletic director in the first place, shows up with a team that that is a mixed match between pro style offense and a three four defense, and then the Willie Taggart air gets portions of their athletes in here of this high ran spread offense that's just ninety to nothing. Uh, so you've got a bunch of big guys in places that some don't need to be so big in. Then you got really small guys where guys should be a little bit bigger in. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, just 
Go look at the different types of offenses that were ran in a very short period of time. It does not make sense for you to have the athletes that Norvell had when he showed up. The guys that were left, which were few from the Jimbo Fisher era, uh, the pro-style guys, which he had stopped recruiting months and months before he left. And then you had the guys that were getting brought in from Willie Taggart's era, which were the complete opposite, size-wise, speed-wise, just whole different schemes all together. So you show up, and there's a bunch of mixed match. You don't know what to do with them yet. You literally go out there and start playing backyard football and scrimmages just to find out what you've got. And then you take and put the best possible players in place that you can in the 2021 season. And we saw how that worked. We started off 0-4. I think the reason that we had the wins that we had last year, the reason we had five wins, is because the coaching was that good. Because coaching was good enough to put players in the right spot to succeed. Now you've got Norvell getting his 2022 class in there. Not not his 2021 class, his 2022 class. Gets in this year, and you're seeing a few of them, Sam McCall, Azariah Thomas, here and there. You're seeing the A.J. Duffy here and there at the end of some games this year. You're seeing some of the guys get implemented in, but you're really seeing the ones that he wants to bring in or mimic. Think about the Daniel Lines. Think about the Trayshawn uh, or the Quayshawn Saps. Think about those guys in the Fabian Lovett aspect or in the aspect of uh, Jermaine Johnson that transferred into Florida State to come play for Mike Norvell and Adam Fuller. Because uh, a lot of people on here are writing, it's not really that we want Mike Norvell gone. Most of us want Fuller gone. Okay, there's so many reasons why Fuller is not the one that needs to go or Coach Norvell, but we'll get on that another time because I've only got like four minutes left. Um, it, it's real simple. You see the type of talent and the type of players he's trying to pull in through the transfer portal. The players that he's brought in through the high school ranking are a mimic of that. That's what he wants them to develop into. When you've got the Jared Versus that just came here this year, nobody can say that Jared Versus isn't a dynamic player. You saw what he's done before he got injured. You saw what he's done since he's been back. You see what certain players are doing that he's gotten to transfer in. Like, first, now, you know, all is forgiven because our wide receivers are playing decent this year. Remember, Dugans was the guy that needed to go. If y'all all remember, Dugans was the problem. We could not get a wide receiver. Uh, Dugans is trash. Dugans can't develop guys. Dugans is this. Dugans is that. Well, I guess all that's forgotten because we've got a Michael Pittman, a Johnny Wilson, um, a Winston Wright that we have not seen yet. It, we've got all these guys that are starting to perform. So, okay, well, it's not Dugans anymore. He's not the problem. But what do y'all think about Norvell bringing in a play caller? Because his play calling is just suspect at this point. Nobody wants to talk about I'm not saying that you should make excuses that injuries don't happen to everybody. But, guys, we are literally without the best the best portion of our offensive line when Robert Scott goes out this year. You don't get to use um, Bless Harris but one game in the season or two maybe before he completely goes out for the season. There's a lot of pieces here that are missing that we that are vital pieces. There's depth problems already. But we want to keep going back to it's one of the coaches' fault 
or it's all of the coaches' fault, that's that's the problem. What are you going to say at the end of the year if we are eight and four? Or make it even better. What if we're nine and three? What if this is the only three games that we lose and we end up being nine and three and we go to a bowl game and we win it? Not stating that we will. I'm stating what if that happens? Then who's your go-to? Who needs to be fired then? Or is all forgiven and we'll never speak of it again? That's the question that I have for the fan base. You keep asking at this point where we're 4-0, I didn't hear anything about firing anybody. I didn't hear anything about Coach Fuller needs to go. No, as a matter of fact, i seen a bunch of posts saying, I was wrong about Fuller, man. Our defense is killing it. Kalen Deloach is this. Jared versus this. So-and-so. Look at Fabian Lovett. I saw the opposite of what everybody was saying before. The season started because we were 4-0. Now we've lost three, three games in a row. Yes, granted, we should not have lost. We should have definitely not have lost to NC State. We shouldn't have lost to Wake Forest. And you would have accepted losing to Clemson a little bit better. This wouldn't hurt as bad if we would have won against NC State. This would have be a little bit more – you could take this with a grain of salt and it not bother you as bad. But because we went 0-3 in this stretch, now it's everybody's back till we got to fire everybody. And if we lose to Georgia Tech, everybody's fired. Okay. I appreciate everybody coming and listening. I appreciate you guys for coming on and giving your pieces. Um, I, I am going to let y'all fall off. Um, y'all can find Taylor at Norvell Central on Instagram. That's where he does his best work. He just did an interview, a great interview. I got to watch it before we started with um, uh, Denzel. Uh, How's he say his last name? Fagan? Okay, so with Denzel Fagan, go check that out. He put it on uh, Sideline Sports Network as an article. The video is in the article. Um, I think Taylor at first was a little bit nervous about doing an interview with someone other than a football player, and he actually killed it. It was actually really, really good. So if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. You can find James any and everywhere, like I tell you all the time, um, at Big, Get, uh, Big Game James underscore 36. Is that right? You can find him anywhere with – with that, um, you can find Chip on um, his his biggest format right now is Facebook group, which is um, Unconquered Eight Five Zero. There is a, I don't know, thirty or forty. I might be misquoting, but thirty or forty former FSU players that are in that group that are actually participating in that group. They actually speak. They actually talk about things in that group. So if you want to hash or you know chop it up with some of the former Knowles. Go check out 850 or Unconquered 850. Uh, I will let you guys fall off. I will finish this up with the last two minutes that I got. Appreciate y'all coming and go Knowles. Um, look, everybody, it's this simple. Love all of y'all to death. Appreciate everybody for coming and, and listening and watching. The Knowles are fine. We will be okay. We will make it and we will win again. And Norvell and Fuller and all these guys are the right people for it. Um, and I'm going to say it because everybody says it all the time. You heard it here first. Norvell's the right guy. Just give them time. Everybody have a good one. Go Knowles.